This is a GRDC podcast. In the complex world of herbicides and weed control, there is one constant. Weeds will eventually find a way of surviving new chemistries as they come along. Resistance to pre-emergent herbicides in ryegrass is increasing, as is resistance to 2,4-D in broadleaf weeds. Weed scientist Dr Chris Preston from Adelaide University recently briefed agronomists on the current resistance status of widely used herbicides at the GRDC research update at Wagga Wagga. I caught up with him just after his presentation and we began by talking about the speed at which the pre-emergent herbicides Secura and Boxer Gold have developed a level of resistance. Well, it's merged very quickly. So, you know, we got the first resistance to Boxer Gold, for example, about five years after it was released. And resistance to Secura happened, well, the first example we've got, you know, just like three years after it's released. So they've happened very quickly. And how significant has the spread of that resistance been? Well, at the moment, it's still fairly localised. We can almost characterise where we're going to see it, and it's in high rainfall areas that have existing extensive resistance to trifluralin, so they are early adopters of box of gold and Sakura. So this is about people who've gone and used this from the day it was released and have you know, been basically rotating J's and K's. And... What's been the cause of that onset of resistance? Have you been able to pinpoint that? Well, it's a little bit complex. Some of it's clearly some cross-resistance because some of the populations don't have a lot of history of Group K herbicides that we can find but yet are resistant. But it's turned out that it's probably a lot more complicated than we thought because there's probably a lot of different ways that they're getting resistant to these things. So we initially thought, well, resistance to the group J's, that was all one mechanism. Resistance to the group K's had to be a different mechanism. And there was a question of what was actually selecting for the group K component. So it wasn't necessarily J's that were doing it. It might have been something else in the rotation in the cropping system. You know, it might have been a use of products like Axial and Topic, for example as opposed to, you know, use of the J's. And we don't, don't know enough to be really sure about what's driving all of this, and we're working on that to try and get the answers as soon as possible so that we can understand what we should do next. One of the things you're looking at is mixtures. Is that working for you? Well, mixtures are probably the best thing we can do at the moment, you know, without some other alternative, particularly when we're looking at wheat or barley, where we just don't have a lot of other things we can do in crop. So, you know, we've certainly shown that in our trial work that mixtures, even mixtures of J's and K's, can be more effective than just using any product on its own. And it's partly because we don't get this sort of 100% resistance. We're getting a sort of a part-way resistance. And what that means is that you're getting, you know, 30% control out of your J and you're getting 60% control out of your K and then that adds up. The other point that you made in your presentation was that you seem to have more choices in terms of mixtures in a pulse crop rather than cereal crops. Well, in terms of what we've got resistance to, yeah. So, you know, in pulses we've got the choice of using propizomide, which we're not seeing a lot of resistance to. We've got the choice of using triazines, which again we're not seeing a lot of resistance to. We've got the option of terrain as part of the mixture with something else. You know, we're going to have ultra coming in a couple of years' time. Um, that's a, a different mode of action again. 
And so the pulses are going to be an opportunity where we can get away from the Jason Ks. And so save the Jason Ks for your cereals, I suppose. Well, you know, that's the most important and most effective place we can use the Jason Ks is in the cereals. And we've also shown, you know, in our work that, you know, these herbicides matched up with crop competition in cereals are really effective ryegrass management. So we don't want to lose them and not have them for our cereal phase, just so we can use them in our pulse phase. I think we've got so many more things we can do in pulses. So we've got alternative pre-emergence. You know, we still get some control out of products like clethodim, clethodim plus factor, those sort of things. We can crop top. You know, so we've got lots of opportunities in pulses. We don't have all of those opportunities in cereals. Now, you mentioned new chemistries coming through. Tell me a bit more about that. There's a number of products, you know, sort of working their way through. We've got our first one registered just this last year, which is Devonhole for canola. It's a Group K, though. And so we already know that our Group K-resistant populations are resistant to Devonhole. That doesn't mean that it can't be used. It's just it's a Group K. But what's really exciting is that we've got some new molecules coming you know maybe 2021 might be the time frame that they'll turn up which are new modes of action for us you know so ultra one i've already mentioned that'll be a group e we've got other compounds uh, one of them is going to be almost certainly be a new group a group we don't yet have so these offer us some opportunity to actually get some new chemistry in we've been looking at these in terms of do they control these multiple resistant ryegrass populations that are resistant to all the pre-emergent herbicides? And some do, and some don't. So just because it's a new mode of action doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be able to use it on all our resistant populations. So it will give us an opportunity, but it mightn't be quite the same as when Box of Gold and Sakura came and all the pressure went off. Yeah, and of course when Sakura and Box of Gold came along... They didn't sort of really last that long before the resistance set in. Well, you know, we were actually expecting this to last a lot longer, so I've been really surprised at how how this resistance has turned up. And I think one of the things I should say about it is we don't have very much of it yet. You know, so at the moment we've had no complaints come in of Sakura failure where it's thought resistance is the problem. That might be because we've had a couple of dry starts in a row when Sakura doesn't work that flash and everybody's just putting it down to you know the the environmental conditions we have had butazan failures come in and they're resistant we've had box of gold failures and so on but we haven't actually had any Sakura ones yet so it tends to indicate that perhaps that's really limited just to a few populations at the moment Tell me about this propizomide. So propizomide, I mean, we've been using it for a long time in uh, canola and pulses. <clears throat> we've actually had some low-level resistance to propizomide oh, for 20 years, but it doesn't seem to be getting a whole lot worse. What we still pick up is kind of low-level. What that means is under conditions where propizomide doesn't work as well, so dry starts, and maybe it won't give nearly the level of control that you might see otherwise, but... You know, under good conditions, propizomide still seems to control these populations adequately. Now, yes, at some point, you know, we will get something that's more resistant to propizomide, but at the moment, it's still looking a really, really robust option for us. So is that a, like a go-to first option? Well, I'm th- you know, I'm thinking that certainly in the pulse phase, you know, why wouldn't you be using propizomide when we don't have resistance? You know, why would we use, you know, group J's and K's in pulses if we can use propizomide? And so it's part of why I'm thinking about keep those J's and K's for cereals because you've got good options elsewhere. We've got a higher rate of propizomide in pulses registered compared to canola. Now, it's registered in pulses. It's a higher rate. It, that really gives growers an opportunity to get some more ryegrass control safely rather than trying to play games in the canola phase. 
Okay, let's turn to Broadleaf Weeds now. And what's the uh, Group I story there? Well, the Group I story is we're starting to see lots of weeds picking up Group I resistance. So over the last five years, we've had three more weeds turn up with Group I resistance in the south, other than radish, which we already had. And they're turning up in more locations and more places. And a lot of this is about the additional pressure we're now putting on due to using Group I chemistry more often in crop but also using it in that fallow period over summer. What are the options there in terms of broadleaf weeds? I know that the 2,4-D issue is a big issue, so just where are we heading there? Leaving the 2,4-D, you know, are we going to continue to be able to use 2,4-D aside? I think that our options are, it depends on what sort of resistance you have, and I think this is one of the things where, you know, consultants really need to get on top of it when they see it. And sometimes it's actually quite visual. If you go out a week after spraying, you can tell whether you're going to have low-level resistance or high-level resistance just by how the plants look. So one of the things you can do is do that. So low-level resistance, mixtures, phenoxy mixtures, MCPA, 2,4-D mixtures, they're mostly going to work, particularly if you've got one of those more robust products in the mixture, things like Jaguar and so on. They're mostly going to work. For the high-level resistance, they won't work, and that's where we've got to go for this two-spray approach that I talked about. They've been using in the West on radish. And that certainly seems to work in our trials on uh, Group I-resistant radish. The real one's going to be sow thistle because of its ability to turn up in the fallow as well. We've got Group B resistance in it. If we get glyphosate resistance in it, we've taken all of our cheap fallow chemicals out and we're starting to look at really expensive stuff for controlling it in fallow like Paraquat plus Sharpen. 2018, as we know, was very tough year. What, what sort of impact did that have on your results? Well, I mean, it certainly affected early control out of pre-emergent herbicides because it was dry. You know, we need moisture for these pre-emergent herbicides to work and, you know, in our trial works, Cura performed really poorly early on, even though getting to stopping ryegrass seed set, it performed quite adequately. That makes life harder. So if you've got resistance and you've got difficult conditions for the herbicides to work, they're just not going to work as well. And that's where we're going to see the big blowouts. There's some messages there for growers in, if they're looking at a dry year? Oh, look, it, it's really hard because often we don't know. You know, we don't know what the year's going to do. And, you know, there are some tricks of how you can use some of this chemistry and get it to work better. And some of that's around about understanding how much rainfall you need in the sort of 10 days after sowing to get these products to work. And box of gold, you can get away with, you know, 5 to 10 millimetre. About 10 millimetres is ideal. For security, you probably need 15 and so part of it's around understanding what the environment's going to do to you and when you might want to think about what you're doing in terms of, you know, do I go out with a mixture here or am I you know, okay with a solo product? Because one of the things we have found in those dry years is the mixtures where we're mixing two different modes of action or different chemistries with different behaviour always seem to perform better than any of the solo products. I think partly because they're just operating in different parts of the soil profile. So, you know, you can get them here if you're not getting them at the usual spot. So, you know, mixtures is one thing. But really, I think a lot of about dry year is just to understand that products aren't going to work as well. You know, have a plan B. And often for us, plan B is post-emergent box of gold. Dr Chris Preston from the University of Adelaide. Now, while Chris was at the update to talk about chemical control of weeds, we should never forget that there are an increasing number of non-chemical weed control methods that are successful and can take the pressure off the chemicals you use on your farm. Take a look at the WeedSmart website for the very latest in weed control innovation.